Hello and welcome to the episode 128 of the Massive Attack Podcast. I am your host, Mitch, and with me as always is Joe. Hello, Joe. Hello, Mitch. How are you? I'm good. And we are in this year of 2021 A to Z episodes. We are up to the letter O. We're showing our O faces today, and that O stands for One Hit Wonders. I thought that was a W episode. Yes, you could think that. Yeah, because I'm an idiot. (laughs) We were kind of tossing up other ideas of things we could do for O. Mm. We could have done the Olympics. Topical. We could have talked about the office. Yes. We could have talked about how annoying Orko is. Good point. But he's a bit redeemed at the moment. Yes, he has been in the new Masters of the Universe Revelations. Watch it if you haven't yet. Yeah. But we we like the idea of doing music episodes because... Yeah, we, we love music, but we don't really talk about it enough on this podcast. So this time we decided we were going to do one-hit wonders. And we're looking at musical one-hit wonders. And I like music, yes. but I have terrible music taste, as you'll probably figure out from this episode. So Mitch, if I was to say to you the words one-hit wonder, what would come to mind? Do you like Rivers in the Heart? No, not as in a song that comes to mind, but a definition of a one-hit wonder. Well, it's a popular song that does well on the charts that is it, like literally like the like the like the words say. It's a one hit. Like the the band never gets that success again. Either you never hear from them ever again or you know, they might have a number 1 or a top 10 or top 5 song, but they never basically chart yeah. again. You might I, I remember the days of Countdown when, you know, because you basically, for those who don't remember Countdown, Countdown was a Sunday night program on the ABC. It went for yep. an hour and it was hosted by Molly Meldrum and it was breaking as far as music goes. So when a song would come out, it was a big popular song. They'd play it. They'd have a lot of live performances. Were they live or did they mind? I think they mimed towards the end, but at the start they were live. But they also, what they give you the, the charts and also the English and the American mm. charts. I always thought it was cool and edgy, but from more reports, it's actually watched by millions yeah, of people. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people saw it, but I thought because it was something I watched with my sister, my parents didn't watch it. It was it was a little thing that I did. No, but it was did. pretty mainstream, wasn't it? Oh, of course it was, but I didn't know that. But those sort of songs that you see, it's like, oh, here's a band. Oh, this is really cool. And because the show essentially was curated by Molly himself, it felt like that. So it's like, oh, remember this song here by this band? Here's the next one. So you seem to hear a lot of stuff that never went anywhere. And I, I finished in what, 84, 86? I think so, yeah. So my active listening to the radio and things hadn't really kicked in yet. So, so my music knowledge would come from what, I'd listen to in the car with my parents driving or Countdown. So if I didn't hear it outside of Countdown, I never heard a song again. Sometimes when he'd say, oh, this is the, the new single by Berlin. And it's like nothing. Exactly. You know, cockroaches yep. as far as cockroaches. No, no. they're talking about Berlin, not the cockroaches. But <laughs> the cockroaches, yeah. oh, the wiggles. Pre, pre but obviously this is yeah. before we had MTV here in Australia. Um, I don't even think video hits or anything like that was running on a Saturday morning when Countdown was running. No. Sounds might have been yeah. running with Donny Sutherland. Yes. If you were lucky to have SBS, I think it was um, something arena, sound arena or something with Basha or someone or other. Showing my age now. But um, yeah, so this is. Basha Bob that's Cosby. The one. Yeah. Rock, Rock arena. arena. Yeah. So this is back in the day where there wasn't yeah. just music on television all the time. So that hour of countdown live on a Sunday night, and I think they used to replay it 
the following Saturday as well. Yeah, so you'd, you'd see your yes. clips on Countdown and that would be where you found your new music when you were our age. But as it went on, yep. obviously music was everywhere. MTV, video hits in the morning. Once Foxtel came along, there was you know 24-hour music channels and they were just pumping out songs. But yeah, and when we were kids, Countdown was where you got to see the clip for the first time and it was where you got to hear a lot of songs for the first time. Yeah, and because it was that curated thing, and I wasn't listening to the radio, so therefore when it came to, here's the new song by, because pre-internet, obviously. So you'd hear a song and that was it. That might be the only time you heard it. And if you missed the back announce, you didn't know who sang it. You didn't know anything. So with Countdown, you were fixated. You had an hour to watch it and you sort of paid attention to everything on that. So it, it was that way to go. But yeah, with these one-hit wonders, you sort of see a band and... That might be the only time you ever saw yeah. it. That was it. Yeah, so, I mean, one-hit wonders have been around outside of Countdown, but that's just my memory when I'm thinking about these one-hits when just these obscure performances on Countdown. But one-hit wonders have been around forever. As long as there's been charts, there's one-hit wonders. Going to the oracle of all things Wikipedia. So they define it as a musical act that has achieved chart success or mainstream popularity, often for only one piece of work and becomes known in the general public purely for that success. Okay. There, there was a music journalist by the name of Wayne Jankick that actually wrote a book in America called Billboard's Book of One Hit Wonders. And I think his definition, which kind of became the universal definition as far as I'm aware as well, is an act that has won a position on a national pop top 40 chart just once. So other bands that may have had a number one hit, but they've also had like other songs that have made it into the top 40, they don't really consider one hit wonders. So the example there would probably be Vanilla Ice. Most people think of him as a one hit wonder, except you, because, you know, cool as ice and all that. But Ice Ice Baby obviously was huge in I think it was 1990, but he also had Play That Funky Music that went to number four in the US charts. So he's not considered a one-hit wonder. Conversely, some people have hits in one country that are massive. US is probably the one that people think of the most. So AHA made it big in the US with Take On Me, but all of their other releases did nothing in the US. So even though they've had number ones here in Australia, in America, AHA are considered a a one-hit wonder. So yeah. Mm -hmm. So pretty much it means... Yeah, they've had a song that's made it pretty high up, number one or close to the top in the charts, and any other songs they've released since haven't got into the charts or haven't done anything. And we're purely looking at singles charts as well, because there's a couple of that I'm going to mention on my list when we get to it, that you'll probably sit there and go, well, they had lots of songs, but they only ever had one single that made it big for them. They might have had album sales, but yeah, it's just that one song. An example here, an Australian artist that you may think, oh, he can't be a one-hit wonder, but Gautier made it big with somebody that I used to know, but all of his other previous releases from that might have been big on like your Triple J's or your alternative charts, but nothing made it into the top 40 ARIA charts here in Australia except for that one song. So, yeah, technically he's a one-hit wonder as well. Well, I remember because on VH1 and MTV and all that, I used to watch at a friend's place and they'd always have countdowns of whatever, party songs of summer and whatever there was always these massive 500 song countdowns or 200 song countdowns and i don't know how they came out with numbers literally one song was so much better than the other by 13 spots in this 200 i thought they just threw shit at the wall but one of them was one hit wonders and i'm watching it and they're just playing all these bands and like you said it's like hang on they had these other song and this and that but it was american for one and Divinals, I touched myself, got a Guernsey on that because I got, I suppose that was huge in America. But they, they're a, a classic Australian band, but obviously 
didn't translate to any other country. So therefore, doesn't yeah, count. Doesn't so, count. Yeah, there is other things. But also, when I was trying to come up with my list, now my list, we're going to, spoilers, we're going to actually do a list of one it wonders how we're going to go through a bunch of our From favorites. different decades. And yeah, I was looking at bands. It's like, well, technically, they only had one hit, but it's a band that I've got seven mm. albums of. You know, like Faith No More. They're considered a one-hit wonder or one of the lists I looked at today. Because Epic is the only one that charted, where I thought Easy would probably be another one for them so that's at least hmm. true but yeah it's funny that they would consider that and it's like well no they've got a 40-year career <laughs> and multiple albums i wouldn't call them one hits but yeah that's strange in that way something like the bloodhound gang which i love but probably the bad touches they're only real big hit yeah, probably when it comes to that so they would be considered a one hit wonder as well so yeah it was kind of weird to pull myself back to go what we're going to talk about today trying to do try and narrow down to that one hit like it's literally a band known for one song where I, Faith No More for me is not known no, for definitely one song. Not. So I couldn't, I didn't want to count those. I wanted to really go for that, you know, try and tap into this one hit idea of it. Yeah, so. and, and I kind of tried to steer away from novelty songs as well because the 60s. Oh, that's all I was doing. Yeah, 60s and 70s, there was a lot of novelty acts that just had the one song, you know, even into the 80s with Joe Dolce was shut up in your face here in Australia. But yeah, there was a lot of people that had that one big novelty song that never charted ever again. But no, I've tried to avoid that. Yeah, I was uh, so many. Like, yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly, there was I'm So Tough by George Shmilovich. Yeah, that was another one that came up. And I'm thinking, oh, that's novelty songs is probably something we can do for, you know, another episode. Yeah, but yeah, it was easy to go down that route. Because, yeah, Weird Al Yankovic is probably one of the only people who has made a, a career out of novelty mm, songs, exactly. not being a one-hit wonder. Where someone like Mike Flowers' Pops version of Wonderwall is that one song, it was big, but that's it. And one I nearly put on my list was a novelty song, but I didn't. And that was Stutter Rap by Morris Minor and the Major. <laughs> but it's like, no, I get away from that. There was the young ones doing Living Doll with Cliff Richard. And I was like, no, stop it. Stop it. Put yourself away. Star Trekking by the firm. I did think about it. But yeah, so when, when we were talking favorites, it's like, no, better not. Yeah. So let's start, shall we? Now, I went to the 60s. Did you go that far back? I didn't, did but I've go? gone back now since you picked one. So. Okay. Now, my one, and it's not because I love this version. But mine is Something in the Air by Thunderclap Newman. It's a corker of a song. Two, Thunderclap Newman is a fantastic name, and I just like saying it. Yep. And three, one of my favourite movies is an Australian 80s time-travelling anti-nuclear-themed rock opera called Sons of Steel, which I have mentioned a few times on this show. You have. And it's a, it's got a banger of a soundtrack, if you like 80s cock rock. But one of the songs on it is Something in the Air, which they did release as a single. Well, it, well, it had a film clip. I don't know if it was actually a single. I don't remember it being that, but I saw it on MTV back in the day. And that's what made me want to see this film because I saw this film clip. Yeah, something in the air. I didn't know it was a cover back then. In 1988, this movie was. So it was just a song. It's like, that's cool. I found the soundtrack at a bargain bin at some sale once. I bought it on cassette, CD, and LP. And <laughs> Overkill there a little bit. Oh, it's great. I've got I've got it on VHS and I have an actual prop from the movie as well. So, yeah, I may like this film just a little bit. 
And I saw the mutant. There's a mutant creature in it as well with a giant dick. And I saw that because I went to my friend's place who worked on the special effects on the film and it was at his place. So anyway, I like this film just a bit. Anyway, so, 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 so this song was a single on it and it was good and it was good. And then I found out it was a cover of this Thundercut Newman song. So yes, it's a one hit wonder. It's a no hit wonder for Sons of Steel, but it's it has residence for me. And when I was looking through lists of one hit wonders that I was looking for and it was by decades and it's like, ah, that's a song I've heard of. And that sounds cool to me. Now, the older I went with some of these lists, there were lots of songs that I just didn't know. Yep. There were songs that was like, oh, really? I thought they had more songs than that, but they didn't. And there was like, oh, I thought someone else sang that song altogether, but no, it was this person. Because especially in the 70s, there's a lot of disco. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's a one. People sort of had one song and that was it. They sort of went in and out. They weren't all the Bee Gees or the village people. But well, yeah, I, think, so. I think the thing with the disco era was it was all about the producer. And you may have the same producer do a bunch of songs, but yeah, you're right. Anita Ward might come and sing one song and what does she have, knock on wood, and then someone else comes in and does one song. And yeah, it is yeah. that real one person, one song type style. But yeah, but no, Thunderclap Newman, that something in the air is a, a really good song and fits the bill because it, it reached number one in the charts in the UK in 1969. And I think his other song he released as a single, which is called Accidents, made it to 46 in 1970. So yeah, I'll agree. One hit wonder. All right. So my pick for the 60s, I went back to 1963 with a little surfing song by the Safaris called Wipeout. Oh, absolute banger. And I'm going to say banger a lot today. I apologize. You can almost say this is a novelty song. Because it is just an instrumental with that big laugh at the start and the man saying wipe out. And the, I think reading the wiki, they said it was one of the studio engineers snapping a piece of plywood to make it sound like a surfboard snapping in half. But yeah, back in the early 60s, surf music was huge. You had Jan and Dean, you had the Beach Boys, you had that sort of Dick Dale guitar sort of sound. And yeah, wipe yeah. out was a great song. I mean, for the it was time. a movement. I wouldn't call it gimmick or novelty. No. Like surf music was a thing. Apparently it still is. Instrumentals were quite a thing. You had Apache and a bunch of other things like yeah, that back then too. exactly. So it was definitely cool. Yeah, so ironically, the Beach Boys actually did do a cover of Wipeout later on in their career in 1987 as a bit of a joint effort with the Fat Boys. So that's a bit of a shout back to one of our previous episodes where we talked about, I think it was All You Can Eat by the Fat Boys, but yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't realise that they ever did Wipeout with the Beach Boys. I, I might have to go and dig that up. But yeah, Wipeout by the Safaris. One hit wonder from Fat Boys did something with Chubby Checker as well, I think. Was they it did. a cover of The Twist or something? Yeah. So Fat Boys, I don't think, they're probably not a one hit wonder, the Fat Boys. But anyway. All right. Well, shall we move on to the 1970s? All right, let's go. My 70s. Now, like I said, there was a lot of disco and there were a lot of songs because I grew up listening to the radio, I guess, back in the 80s. So there would have been a lot of 70s songs on the radio. So there were just a lot of songs I just knew. Were they 60s, 70s or 80s songs? I didn't know. They were just songs I knew. And to be in theme with today, this is not one of my favourite songs. I was going through a list and what I found was Fanfare for the Common Man by Emerson, Lakes and Palmer. I had 
no idea who sang this or sorry there's no no it's an instrumental again when i read the review that someone had written on this article it's like yes that's that's exactly right because this song like do you remember in the mornings before school yes that's exactly how i remember this song getting up to the half hour or hour of a show like because the shows would run short they would play music videos I never remember hearing it on the radio. I just remember that little snippet in between the cartoons. So it would be every little thing she does is magic by the police and they'd use Nadi Comaneci footage from the Olympics. Or there was another one and I, I can't remember what the music was, but it was some sort of upbeat sort of disco classical song, probably from Hooked On or whatever. And it was like jet boating in New Zealand. And there was this music, which I know of, and it's used on so many sporting shows now because it was actually used for the 1976 Montreal Games, Fanfare for the Common Man. And if you heard it, you know about it. It's just got this, it's it's a modern fanfare. There's, there's like a disco sort of element to it, like there's keyboards and guitars and all this sort of stuff. And it was like, okay. So I ended up watching the YouTube clip today. And yeah, it was definitely for the Olympics. So it's got these dudes. And obviously the article I found today was very recent because they were talking about the Olympics coming up, the current Tokyo Olympics that are on right now. And this, and this band are playing in the middle of like it's snow, like they're, um, they're in the middle of the uh, empty Olympic venue <laughs> playing this music. And yeah, it's so funny that, yeah, Tokyo's doing the same thing. They're all playing in front of a, a very empty Olympic stadium. But yeah, I hear this music and it just takes me back to that, that, that morning before school watching the cartoons or any sporting show. It's just that music they play building up or leading into a, a sporting event or something like that. So My pick for the 70s, and this is probably my first controversial pick, so I went with Werewolves of London by Warren Zevon. So I, I'm sure there'll be people screaming at their podcast earphones now saying, but hang on, Warren Zevon wasn't a one-hit wonder. But no, he had a lot of high-selling albums, but this was his only single to to crack the top 40. So it actually peaked at yep. number 21 in the US. It did get a little bit of resurgence later on in the 80s when Tom Cruise played pool to it in The Colour of Money. And that's probably where a lot of people of our generation will know it. But yeah, this was his only charting single. piano riff at the start it just chugs along nicely it's got cool lyrics about werewolves eating beef chow mein in london and getting haircuts and stuff but to me this is just a great perler of a song so what year was this um i think it was released about 1973 or 1974 off the top of my head well well before the movie so this this i assume inspired the movie like not in storyline but just the title as an american werewolf in london yep I think it did. And just another interesting piece of trivia about this. So the musicians that are actually on this song, actually 1978 was when it came out, but the musicians on the song, Mick Fleetwood from Fleetwood Mac plays drums and John McVie from Fleetwood Mac plays bass. Okay. So it's, yeah, I didn't realise that until today when I was looking up some credits of the song. So, yeah. And then just recently, probably, what, five, six years ago, Kid Rock actually did a remix of this where he mixed Sweet Home Alabama into Werewolves of London for his song All Summer Long. So it kind of got a bit of a resurgence then as well. Excellent. Okay, so should we move on to the 1980s? So for me, the 1980s is probably my favourite era of the One Hit Wonder. Well, like I said, this is that countdown era of us where we actually, because like I, like I know 
Werewolves of London as a song I just knew. You know, I didn't know Warren Zevon. I didn't know anything else they'd done or whatever. But the 80s was when I was starting to be aware of music. So therefore, I would be like, oh, that's a band. It's interesting. Here's a new song. And you might get their second one on a countdown. And it's terrible and goes nowhere. Like Nino, 99 Luft Balloons or something. And Katrina and the Waves. I remember them playing a second song. I don't remember that song. It, it was nothing. Really? I, I couldn't name a second song. No, that's the thing. I don't remember it. It was played. It was like, oh, here's their follow-up single and nothing. And that's the last I ever heard of it and those sort of things. Fair ground attraction. What's the second single? It's gone. You know, that's that's the sort of thing. So this is that era where it's sort of like it's not repeated songs that have just always been there. This is a maybe the first time I heard it and then you sort of follow the track or never hear from them again. But you do remember hearing it for the first time kind of thing, if that makes any sense. Yep. So that being said, what is your 1980s one-hit wonder? It is Send Me an Angel by Real Life. Now... This is a personal song for me where this is actually the first one I wrote down. When you said, let's do one hit wonders, write down a list of your favourites. No research was done. This is one of my favourite songs ever. And it's just a really good Australian group called Real Life. They're a synth pop new wave act. Number one in Germany. Number 10 in, in New Zealand. Top 10 in Australia and makes reached 29 in America. So it was, it was a big hit for an Australian band in the, in 1984. It's a corker. And I remember one of my first eBay purchases was the, um, the yeah. single of... Of, of, I'm thinking there's LPs, EPs. What's, what's the little one? Single. It's a single. Yeah, of that, of, of Semi and Angel. So that, that was really cool. So it's, it's just one of my favourite songs. up in a couple of movies and uh, i'm looking at the wiki and i can't it doesn't have a list of them unfortunately but i do know it it is definitely in the movie rad yes and they do a bmx dance to it in rad which is good laurie lachlan yeah it was an absolute corker when she's dancing with crew jones that that is a very personal song for me that i love and 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 yes they're not a one-hit wonder because they did have catch me on falling as another single here in australia which made it to number eight Did it? Yes. Semi and Angel peaked at number six in Australia and Catch Me on Falling in the same year was number eight. So I'm going to yeah throw a flag on the play here and say that Semi and Angel by real life probably isn't a one-hit wonder. It's a a big ass hit. (laughs) Been in a couple of movies. It's fine. It was ass sliding. It's all good. But there is one more. I did do I did do a double because I can't help myself. Again, a song I remember vividly from countdown was oh sherry by steve perry and i can never say oh sherry without saying by steve perry i can't do it i have to say the two together and it's just one of those belt out songs where you you can't help but just belt it out i remember when i started doing karaoke with my friends i'd always look for it it was never there i thought it was this obscure song that only i knew that it never really went anywhere it wasn't a big deal but ever since i started my new job a couple of years ago i am listening to like I can hear the radio from the, the screen room next door and I hear a lot of Gold FM or Triple M and it gets played at least three times a week. So it obviously was a lot bigger than I remember Probably. it being. And yeah, it's a corker. 
it's great, but yeah, and it was only years later. I, mean, I didn't know who the hell Journey was. It wasn't until Glee that I really knew about Journey and Don't Stop Believing sort of became a bigger deal for me than it was. And I had no idea that Steve Perry, who sang Oh Sherry, was the lead singer of Journey. It was, I thought he was this one dude, had a big song. He was like the Grayson Hugh of a couple <laughs> of years earlier, where you just have this one song and that's it and go on. But he actually was in a big band of Journey, which, you know, obviously had a couple of hits and was bigger in America, there's a lot of bands that just didn't translate. Yeah, to exactly. Like Rush and things like that. And I think Journey might be one of those. Yeah. So, so for years, like I didn't know who the hell Journey was, but I did know who Steve Perry was. So that, yeah. So they're my two because I cheated for the 80s. Nice. All right. So, yeah, as I said, I, I could have gone with a lot of things in the 80s. I really considered whether I should go with Wonderful Life by Black. I don't know if you remember that song from 1987. Oh, yeah, I did say that on at least something, and it's a good song. But no, I went with something that actually is probably a little bit more personal on a couple of different levels, and that was King's Love and Pride. Nice. When you and I first started to hang out at nightclubs and back in the probably early 90s when we used to yep. go to retro in the city in Melbourne, both of us would sit there and go, oh, do you know that that song, something about pride, something, something, something. And then one day we were at retro together and the DJ played it. We both sort of looked at each other in this sort of you know, massive revelation <laughs> that this is the song that we've been looking for. And this was probably in that start of the whole sort of LimeWire, Napster. Yes. Napster days of looking for stuff. This was one of the first songs mm. that I can remember going and downloading when we finally knew that Love and Pride was by yep. the artist King and we were like, yes, we've got to go and download this song soon. Anytime we went to Retro after that, when they played it, it was kind of like, yep, it's going to be a good night because they've played King for us. And then years later... I can remember when my wife and I got together, she actually knew this song as well from back in the day and she really loves it as well. And it kind of became a bit of a pseudo anthem for the whole plebiscide for gay marriage here in Australia as well. And I've talked about this on the podcast too, but one New Year's Eve, we went to a New Year's Eve 80s party at Kramer's Pub in Preston and in between the band sets, the DJ was playing just generic 80s stuff and he played this and my wife and I were the only people that danced to it in front of this whole room of people and afterwards <laughs> everyone clapped for us and it was kind of like, yes, that, that's that, that's yeah, my nice. memory for Love and Pride now. Because I remember finding that song, Love and Pride and Love Like Blood was the other song which I, during yeah. that same period, like it feels like it was in the same week, but yeah, they were sort of like discovering names of songs and downloading them illegally. It was sort of like back in the day. It's like, oh, there's a thing. Yeah. Remember that song? Before Shazam, God, if you didn't know or you didn't hear it the first time, that was exactly. it. It was gone forever. But no, so King originally released this in April of 1984. It kind of flopped originally, and then he re-released it in February of 85, and it peaked at number two in the UK charts. And when he did the 12-inch remix of it, that went to number 17 in the Billboard dance charts in the US as well. So I'm a big fan of the 12-inch. <laughs> Take that any way you like. <laughs> I heard. <laughs> but for me, the 12-inch is great. It goes for about seven minutes. doesn't really add that much other than a three-minute sort of intro to the song. But yeah, I, I love this song and I think about it a lot and it's on my USB stick in my car and I do play it a lot too. So yeah, it's still alive in my life. Okay, so moving up to the 90s. Now, 
90s are tough. Like there's a lot of stuff came out and I, this is the, this is really the time when I had money. I discovered Triple J yes. and, and I also started going to a goth club. So I'd hear a lot of music that I hadn't heard before. So I was like, oh, what's this song? So I'd go find it. And because I had money as well, it's like something like I watched the Crow movie and the soundtrack of that was great. And I really liked the song by my life for the Thrill Kill Cult. So I'd go off and go to Gaslight Records, spend $40 on an import of the, one of their CDs and listen to it twice because it sucked. Very much not a one-hit wonder, just a one-good-song wonder. I, I don't think that song ever charted. And that, that's the weird thing. When I was going through this 90s phase, I'm like, what am I What am I iconic? And I had to go to the list on websites because my songs were different and they weren't necessarily hits. Like I'd hear things on Triple J and I'd like them and they might get a bit of airplay. doesn't mean it charted at all. So when it comes came to one-hit wonders for the 90s, it was really hard for me because I wasn't following like equivalent of Billboard or Aria charts. So all the music that I was into at that time wasn't the popular stuff. So it was really hard. So I, I, I was tempted to go being 1990. It was the time for the guru. <laughs> so it was guru job. But I didn't. I, I, I held back and I ended up going um, Babylon Zoo's Spaceman. always love the song it's great whenever i heard it, it was good and i do a hey hey saturday retrospective podcast with some mates and he popped up on the show a couple of episodes ago and listening to it again it's like that is a fucking corker of a song and i was talking to another friend about it she read a book by this english comedian talking about the song there was actually a paragraph or a, a chapter almost about the song in it and she photographed the the paragraph for me and it said for the first 29 seconds of this song i thought everything was right with this world and nothing to worry about <laughs> it's like yes that's how good the opening of this song is it's just so cool it's just so good it's over the top it's bombastic it's silly it's whatever and it's like yeah it, it's for me and it didn't do anything else for as far as i know jazz man or whatever his name is um, Babylon Zoo. i don't remember a babylon's zoo second single apparently it got really big because it was in a levi's commercial and that's one of the reasons it was big, but it's a corker. But yeah, it just sort of, I don't remember him doing anything else. The only other Babylon Zoo thing I can think of is he was in an episode of Brass Eye <laughs> where they asked him if he sang all the notes. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I can sing the notes. And he goes, but if you sang them all, it's just this weird interview. Yeah, so that that's really it. So, I mean, it did reach number three here in Australia. Number one's around Europe, like France, Finland, Denmark, Germany. Two in Iceland. I don't know what beat it there. Ireland was one. Italy was three. New Zealand was four. Very picky. UK was the number one. I don't think he did anything in America by the look of it. So yeah, it's, it's one of those one of those things. But yeah, that's me, Babylon Zoo Spaceman. Okay, so the 1990s, again, like you, was when I was getting into spending money on music, going out a lot to nightclubs. And yeah, music was just a real big thing for me in the 90s. We probably talked about that on our top 10 albums episode that the 90s was just an explosion of music. Yep. But a couple of things I could have picked, I thought about White Town's Your Woman because that is, as you said before, a banger of a song. Well, that's just weird because before we were recording, I was just playing some music waiting for you to get online and I played the Kelvin Harris Dua Lipa song that sampled White Town. Ah. And I'm like, I could have put that on my list. That's yeah. just weird. Well done. Good choice. 
I also thought about Swamp Thing by The Grid back oh, when nice. everyone was into that sort of rave culture and they were listening to chronic dancing yep. music. That was pretty cool. Well, good. I was thinking about doing the Speed Racer orgasmic mix. <laughs> if you wanted to go that sort of music, you didn't want to do Robert Miles' Children. No, no, I don't, I don't think I did. Okay, <laughs> Sandstorm by Darude. Maybe? I, no. It was on my short. Are, are they a one year wonder? That was on my short. No, I don't uh, know. One of the other things I, in the nineties, I was getting into alternative music as well, and I did think about Guitars, Whoever you are, uh-huh. here's a point of fact: the uh, the guitarist from Guitar went on to form the band Bird and Me, who I think you're a fan of some of their covers that they've done. I do remember they were lovely. Like yeah. his music, but. No, they, they did a whole concept cover album where they did covers of Hall & Oates songs. Oh, okay. But yeah, he's the dude from Guitar. Anyway, but no, I didn't go with Guitar. I went with a, a little brother and sister band from Canada by the name of Len and their song Steal My Sunshine. I know it's a unashamedly a fan of the song if we were going to do an episode about guilty pleasures this would definitely be way up there there's no such thing as guilty pleasures you either like it or you don't yes but in in our little group of friends i think i loved this song i loved the clip but no one else around us liked it i I don't know why maybe it was just me but canadian band as i said brother and sister it kind of has that one verse sung by the dude one verse sung by the girl and they kind of bounce off each other about just a fun weekend that they had once and there's just something about it that just gets me. I, I love this song. So it reached number nine here in Australia and number three in Canada. I've got the album that it came off and it's got a couple of other songs that aren't that bad, but nowhere near as good as this. And this was their pretty much only success worldwide. And ironically, the sample in this comes from a song called More, More, More by a girl called Andrea True and the Andrea True Connection, which was also a one-hit wonder back in the 70s. So yes. a one-hit wonder sampled in a one-hit wonder. Mm-hmm. Now, I've got a few. They didn't quite make the cut. I just I just wanted to talk about them because I had a very long list and I cut it down to a short list. And one other I had on here was Kick Into The Undersound because I want I like to represent Australia. And that was by The Sound Unlimited Posse, which was one of the first, if not the first, that I know of anyway, Aussie hip-hop acts. Yeah, probably. I'd go that far and agree with you there. They became Renegade Funk Train after that. But yeah, that's probably my first. Again, looking at a bunch of lists going, oh, was that a one-hit wonder? I didn't know because I've heard other songs and then I bought the CD and I love the album. So the song that they're referencing is probably the one that charted the most, but I actually liked other songs. And that would be uh, Right Here, Right Now by Jesus Jones. It's like, oh, are they a one-hit wonder, are they? Probably. But again, they probably didn't even chart that high. I wouldn't think of them as a one-hit wonder. Okay. Well, they were on a list that I saw. But the last one here. Now, if you call no one knowing the band at all and not finding any reference to their CDs or whatever, would you call that a hit? (laughs) Because the other (laughs) one I'm putting in is Sweet Lovin' by Chill Factor. (laughs) (laughs) Again, referencing back to the the show Hey, Hey, It's That Day, there were a band on there that Molly shilled and pushed saying they've spent three three hours maybe three hours, three years on this 
this album. It's going to be huge. It's amazing. And we rip the shit through this song and the performance of this song on the episode. And one of our listeners is also a listener of this show, Dodzy. He tracked down the CD single of Chill Factor Sweet Lovin' and sent it to us for Christmas. It is now our theme song for our other podcast, Geek Dudes. And I don't know if it's um, Stockholm Syndrome, but I think it's great. Like, I really think it's good. <laughs> and I was like, I think it's well, well worth the three years they spent on that song. But So I, I, I thought it would be um, remiss of me if... If I, I don't share the love of Sweet Lovin' by Chill Fact, check it out. Definitely need to get a mention, didn't it? It did. <laughs> it did. So how about right. 2000s, Joe? Let's see, you go first this time. All right. So I went with something that was actually only ever a hit here in Australia, and that was Wheatus's Teenage Dirtbag. Another song that I have a lot of fondness for and gets played quite a bit on radio down here in Tassie. I don't know if that's because we are so far behind the times, but even the hit music station, you can't see me doing the inverted commas next to my microphone, the oldie station plays it and the hit music station also plays it quite regular. It came out in 2000 exactly, never charted in America. I'm not even sure if it was released as a single in America, but thanks to the fact that it is in the movie Loser, yep. it charted quite well here, made it to number three in the Australian charts. And yeah, I think to use your expression, I think this is a bit of a banger as well. It didn't chart in America, even being in the film. No, wow. I don't think it was released as a single in America. Wow. I was surprised by that. It's just so, I mean, if you said this and Lem came out at the same time, I believe you. Well, they're about a year apart. Yeah, but they're very bucket hats. Something about bucket hats just pisses me off. Yeah, so he's a bucket hat wearing loser. But anyway. It, it is a good well, song, and I do hear it quite a bit too. It gets played probably once or twice a week on the radio as I hear through work. So, yeah, it still gets quite the run. For something that, as you say, didn't chart in America, that's amazing. So speaking of it being on radio, there's a line in the song where he talks about how the girl that he's in love with, because it's a bit of a song that starts off about unrequited love. He's a geek. He's in love with another girl. In the end, the girl decides that, yeah, she likes him as well, and they go off to an Iron Maiden concert. But in the early part of the song, he mentions that this girl's girlfriend is a bit of a dick, and when they play it on radio, they bleep through a dick. But he also says he brings a gun to school, and they bleep that as well when they play it on radio down here. I remember that because like the great something about green in a song was bleeped. Because obviously a reference to weed and stuff like that. But there was one yeah. of those that got bleeped back in the back in the nineties. But yeah, I don't know if they still get bleeped nowadays, but yeah. There was a song by I think it was Everlast where he one. talks about guns or something and, and they put a gunshot, gunshot. or something exactly yeah, over the top of the, the actual word gun. And I think that makes it worse. I think so. Yeah, weird. Censorship is weird. All right. What's your pick for my two thousands? Now it was it was tough. I had two and I, I, I wasn't sure. Do I do Bad Babysitter by Princess Superstar? And I didn't Is that a hit? <laughs> No, but neither is the one I picked now looking at what it charted as. Did it chart or chart? But I chose H-Block's The Power. Oh, oh, oh. I've got the power. I've got the 
2004 and I was still going through my new metal phase because I didn't go through it in the 90s like everybody else. I went through it later. And it was just, I love The Power by Snap. It's a really good dance track from the 90s. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. one of my favorite bands is Faith No More. And they did a collaboration with the Booyah Tribe and they did a song called Another Body Murdered, which is a fucking amazing song absolutely amazing and h-blocks merged those two songs together and it was just like this is perfection perfection on a cd single which i do own and love and yeah so i I think for me it was like oh there's a no-brainer that was it and i actually thought about that because it didn't turn up in any of my list because going on your criteria that it had to be a hit this doesn't succeed because looking at the charts i think they're german by the look of it because they charted in a bunch of places like Germany, Austria, Australia, and Switzerland. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> They're the only places they charted. So Australia got a Guernsey for one song, which is The Power, and it reached 34. So, yeah. It's top 40. It's, yeah. it's a hit. If it's okay, in the top it's 40. top 40, so it counts. Just, yes, one hit. Getting back to Bad Babysitter, that actually, uh, that Princess Superstar's Bad Babysitter made it to number 38 here in Australia. Oh, really? It, wow. actually, it actually made it to number 11 in the UK. Okay. That's even though she's something. American. Did you have a short list, like, for your 2000? Because it was a very, I mean, when you say 2000, 10 years is a long time in music. Yeah, and very much a, a long time. It changes. So I, and... A lot of one-hit wonders for me came from TV shows or commercials. So I had Butterfly by Crazy Town, which is, I know. Yeah, I thought that too. And OK Go, Here We Go Again. See, I thought about OK Go, but I think they probably had other songs that charted. But nothing, but they, they chart well. Jerk It Out by Caesar, which oh, I only know really- because of the iPod commercial yep yep come on come on by the von bondies yes they were just the ones that sort of popped up for me 2000s it's hard for me because the late 90s merge into the 2000s really in that whole sort of is mm. it the same year almost yeah I, I almost was about to say the new radicals you get what you give but i think that was actually the 90s yeah i mean i think of those and they're very iconic songs but we could talk about them as one hit wonders but i was thinking no nah, it doesn't mean anything to me they were all very much songs that i would see as that but it's like, yeah, whatever. For, so I've just thought of another 90s one I probably should have mentioned, and that was Tub Thumpin' by Chumbawamba. Oh, that's the iconic that one. That was very much a one-hit wonder. But uh, again, you look at these charts and you look at lists of bands that came out, and there is just things they throw on there for, for one-hit wonders, and you look at it and think, yeah, I, I guess that's a hit. And conversely, you think there's probably songs, and you look at them as well and think, I'm sure they had other songs. But yeah, 2000s, as you said, there's, there's not a lot that, jump out as being iconic one-hit wonders. But yeah, I don't know. All right, moving on to the 2010s. Yeah. So for my pick for the 2010s, I went with Iconopop featuring Charlie XCX's I Love It. just think of this now as being the kfc ad yes when this came out i can remember thinking yeah this is a good song it's like you know a swedish band with guest vocals from an english singer and it made it to number one in the uk and number three here in australia but um yeah today anytime you hear this you just think shut up and take my money i want some kfc sort of thing well i liked it better when it was troubled by shampoo but yeah it's a good song i wouldn't say it's troubled by shampoo it's (laughs) Different sound. Anyway, but um, yeah, that's my that's my pick for the 2010s. Okay. Now, I had two, 
because I couldn't choose. And I really don't know if I like 2010 music. Duck Sauce, Barbara Streisand, because it's fun. But they also did The Big Bad Wolf. So there's two songs there. So they're not, they're not one-hit wonders at all. Um, and if well, you want to freak out, watch the um, Big Bad Wolf by Duck Sauce film clip because it's fucking freaky. Yes. And yeah. Duck Sauce in themselves probably are one-hit wonders. But Duck Sauce is made up with two guys or two DJs, and one of them is a man, Van Helden, and he's had a lot of hits, okay. either producing other things for other people or him guesting on other ones. So that the, the one that probably comes to mind is he did the remix of Professional Widow by Tori Amos. Oh, yeah. And he also did the music that Dizzy Rascal raps over for that song, Bonkers. Oh, that's a, that's but, a cool yeah. one. Ooh, yeah, I so, should pick that, but that's not one hit either. Well, Dizzy no. Rascal's definitely not a one-hit wonder. No. But yeah, Amad Van Helden, you wouldn't say it's a one-hit wonder, but in the Duck Sauce incarnation, probably is. Yeah, but the one I did go with, and they're definitely a hit because they were number one with this song in Norway and South Korea, and that's What the Fox Say by Ilvis. Ducks say quack and fish go blub And the seal goes ow, ow, ow But there's no sound that no one knows What does the fox say? Made number nine in Australia, and it's a good song. Like, it's a ridiculous song, and I would call it a novelty song in a lot of ways. But they are a, a German band, I think. Oh, Norwegian band, sorry. And they've had plenty of songs. It's just like it's like Gangnam Style I could have picked because it was a one hit. He has had many other songs overseas, but he's known for one song here. Two songs. What about Gentlemen? Oh, yes. But it was not, not the big hit that, that Gangnam was. <laughs> but, yeah, so it, it just... Yeah. For me, this was like, oh, yeah, this is 2010s. It's it's weird. But I, I actually went looking, and Ilvis seemed like a an interesting band to check out because they did a song about knots, tying knots, like different types of knots. They seem incredibly smart and talented and do weird tangents and prove how smart and talented they are going, we can turn any topic into a pop song. Well, I think they were a comedy act, weren't they? And they were like really pop. It could be. They were really popular on YouTube. Okay. And they, they had lots of hits on their YouTube channel. And then because this was so popular on YouTube, they actually released it as a record. And, yeah, it, it went gangbusters. Oh, fair enough. I'm just looking at my notes here. All right, so that's, that's pretty much it for music. But I do have a bunch of stuff that didn't make the cut. And I was wondering if you've got an opinion on any of these. Well, before you do that, I'll, I'll mention some of my also rounds oh, as well from the 2010s. Obviously, I mentioned Gautier before with... Somebody they used to know. That that's great. Foster the people pumped up kicks, mm-hmm. and probably I don't know if you class this as a one hit wonder or not. But Portugal the man's feel it still. Yep. That, that was that was a pretty good song. Cool. All right. So, All right. So let's have a look at some of these things. Like who farted by the Vaughns? It's a classic. <laughs> if you remember that from the nineties, it, it is. <laughs> Yeah. It's a classic song. Did it chart? No, it charted more than the point. Do you remember that song, Ship Me to Tears? I, who was that by? That was by um, by The Tenants. Okay. I, I, it came out in 1999. I don't know if you consider that a, a one-hit mm. wonder because, yeah, it was never a hit, but it's it's still a very good song. Yeah, but there's one I was very tempted because I saw it on a list and I was disappointed because Baby Got Back by Sir Mix-a-Lot. Oh, for sure. That's no, well, if it's a one-hit wonder, why on the other show I do Gig Dudes, Producer of the show, Paul Jones, went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Seattle for the Seattle Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. 
where you have bands like Soundgarden, you have bands like Pearl Jam, Nirvana, all have areas devoted to them. Sir Mix-a-Lot has an area devoted to him. You don't do that for one hit. Sir Mix-a-Lot is a lot bigger than that. That is not fair. Do not. I, I, I should write a, a letter to the editor of that website that put them on the list. I'm not happy. Well, looking at the Sir Mix-a-Lot Wikipedia, he had a couple of other singles chart in the normal US pop charts. One of them made it to number 70 and one number of the other one made it to 97. Okay, that's enough. So maybe got back. <laughs> Iron Man was He probably was. is a one yeah. one. Well, um, another one I, w- I was tempted by was Unbelievable by the EMF and Jump Around by the House of Pain. Yes, Jump Around. Probably a one. No, I don't know any more House of Pain songs, but that is why would you need it? You've done one song that's almost perfect. Why would you do another one? Take Me Out by Franz Ferdinand. I thought that was a good one because I don't remember any other Franz Ferdinand songs. I think they're big in England. I don't think they're as big out here in Australia as they mm. were. And Rapper's Delight by the Sugar Hill Gang. Which I think was possibly the first rap song to make it to number one in the US charts. I think so. I did like Safety Dance Man Without Hats, but that didn't get a Guernsey. Don't Call Me Do by Scatterbrain. And. I thought about Slice of Heaven by Dave Dobbin. Not one of my faves, but it is good. And then I, I had a quick look just to see. I thought, oh, he, he's probably the most popular export out of, besides Split Ends out of New Zealand. But no, Slice of Heaven is like... OMC? Oh, I, I hate OMC, so I didn't even want to acknowledge it. <laughs> Big rungers, but yeah. No, but they had... like So Dave Dobbin, like Slice of Heaven is like number seven in their all-time history best songs or whatever in New Zealand. He's actually got a song that number four or three or whatever. He's got like, like Don't Stop Believing is the Boston song for events or whatever. That's the one you're seeing. Like we have K-San here. Dave Dobbin has a song in, in, in New Zealand, which is their big drinking sing-along song or whatever. And he's got quite a bit. And he's okay. been to jail because he incited a riot. So Dave yeah. Dobbin's really cool. So I'm going to have to do a bit more research into the old Dave Dobbin. So he he didn't get a gig. Anything else? I wrote so many. Speaking of New Zealand, I would think that Scribe, not many, if any. would be one of those songs that you would think of, if any, would be a number one song. It was number one in New Zealand. It didn't even chart in Australia. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one. But no, he had a couple of other number ones in New Zealand anyway, so he's probably not a one. No, and I, I looked at these lists online and someone had Gary Newman cars. I was like, I'm sure Gary Newman's more famous than that. Oh, he's got his pilot's license. I watched Rage on the weekend and he was the guest programmer. And I ended up watching it till four in the morning because he wouldn't shut up. He had stories about everything. He was incredibly positive and he was picking absolute corkers of a song every single time. And I was like, that's great. I turned on and I was at a mate's watching it. I was watching Rage. They play it during the week at night just to sort of finish off the night. And it was the Gary Newman show again. I flicked over and he said, he's still going. <laughs> that's what I thought. Because like, he was um, doing it via Skype or whatever. He had the head phones in and was recording on his computer and doing his talks and I was like it felt like he's bored in lockdown they can't shut him up <laughs> that's what it felt because like, it got to four o'clock it's like Gary we're over it come on you can't you, you can't have any more stories to tell and then it was quite funny that yeah like five days later there's Gary still going it's like oh okay that's that, that'd be about right let's see He's a bit of a, tr- a strange conundrum, though. So he was obviously quite famous for cars when he was a solo. He was also a member of the Tubeway Army, and Tubeway Army had the song Our Friends Electric that went to number one. So does that make him a one-hit wonder because they're two different I thought he had such? more songs than that, but maybe. Well, he did. He had a couple that um, cars went to number one here uh, actually in Australia and in the US, actually, no, in the UK. He also had a couple of other songs later on in his career that kind of went low teens in the charts, but nothing ever got to number one again. Okay. All right. So, yeah, prob- probably, a number- probably a one-hit wonder. Mm-hmm.
Right Said Fred, are they a one-hit wonder? Of course. Oh, no, Don't Talk, Just Kiss was the second single that they had. I do remember that. Andrew Ridsley, Shake You, that would be a one-hit wonder. But with, when he was with Wham, does it count? And what the, exactly. I, don't, I think him personally must be a one-hit wonder, but Wham, obviously not. And if, if this was purely did they make it to number one, by that rationale, Bruce Springsteen's actually a one-hit wonder because he never went to number one in the pop charts. Really? Okay. Not I even born in the USA? I was listening to the other day. Oh, no, okay. not yeah. even born in the USA. Apparently his only number one credit is as the writer of Blinded by the Light when Manfred Mann took that to number one. Oh, there you go. So, yeah. Detachable I don't pins. know if that's true. King Missile, they had yes. that other song about... Yes, Jesus um, was way cool. Was it Cheesecake? Oh, Jesus was way cool. Song was right. Yes. All right. So now I'm just listing now. I was thinking cake, no, exactly. Just, yes. I was thinking cake, yes. And I thought Ween, maybe, but then... I don't think any of their songs actually charted on the pop charts. No, that that was yeah. another thing. It's like bands like that that have been around forever and have probably never had a number one. Hmm. Weezer is probably another band that people kind of know that probably never went anywhere on the pop charts either, did they? Probably not. Who knows? But anyway, we could talk for hours about One Hit Wonders and we probably have. Yes. But yeah, it was fun to do another music episode. I'm yep. I, hoping that we might do another one in a later letter as we get through the oh, alphabet. So that's a bit of a for bring it on. And maybe just as a bit of a hint towards what we might be talking about in another episode, I'll just throw out the fact that Mighty Mighty Boss Tones were probably a one-hit wonder here in Australia as well back in the 90s with the impression that I get. Yeah. A little bit of a, a teaser for a future episode maybe. Yes, Big Bang Theory for B, correct. No, that's yes. Bare Naked Ladies. I'm getting confused. Well, see, they're a one-hit wonder here in Australia, but they've had like millions of number ones in Canada. There's a lot of those Canadian bands that are like that. Mm. Mm. All right. All that's right. our that's our list. It's very much not a comprehensive list. We just nope. throw it together and pick songs that we like and we wanted to talk about. But there is probably hundreds of other one-hit wonders that we love, but these are the ones that we went with. So if you've got a favourite from any of those decades we talked about, jump on our Facebook. You can find us on facebook.com slash the Massive Attack Podcast. You can find us on Twitter as the MA Podcast. You can find Mitch individually on Twitter as Blockbuster J if you really want to track him down. Or you can find us on our website, which is themapodcast.podband.com. And until next time, thank you very much, Mitch. Goodbye. And we'll talk to you soon.
just watching it now. Okay, as long as that's good enough, I don't want to ruin it. Yours is bigger than mine, but it always is. Mm-hmm. And then I, I tweak it in the... Um, in the <laughs> you recorded that, that's good. <laughs> 